Hello, and welcome to Notes on the Week Ahead, a JP Morgan Asset Management podcast that gives you insights on the markets and economy to help you stay informed for the week ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at JP Morgan Funds. Today is July 11th, 2022. Last Friday's strong jobs numbers came as a relief to many who feared that the US economy was quickly sliding into recession. On its face, the June employment report seems to support further aggressive Federal Reserve tightening, leading to higher US interest rates and a further appreciation of the dollar, and offsetting forces impacting US equities. However, there is a remarkable disconnect today between strong job growth and weakening final demand. This suggests that the economy could eventually stumble into recession, leading to a significant decline in inflation and a sharp, albeit temporary, drop in profits. For the Federal Reserve, it's important not to infer general economic strength from the resilience of the job market. For investors, it's important to avoid complacency in the issue of economic growth or despair about the still high inflation rate. Most of all, investors should try to maintain a long-term focus on valuations and the financial environment that is likely to emerge when the current, very unusual business cycle fades in favour of a more stable, although slow, growth path. Friday's jobs report was stronger than expected, with the economy adding 372,000 non-farm payroll jobs in June. Consensus was only 275,000. Although this was slightly tempered by a 74,000 downward revision to gains in the prior two months, the unemployment rate remained at a very low 3.6% for the fourth consecutive month, while wage growth moderated slightly, posting a 0.3% gain following a 0.4% advance in May. The labour force fell by 353,000, highlighting the demographic drags on labour supply which have the potential to keep unemployment low for some time, even if job growth falters. In addition, earlier in the week, the Labour Department announced that there were 11.254 million job openings at the end of May. While this is down from a peak of 11.855 million at the end of March, it still amounts to an extraordinarily high 1.9 job openings per unemployed worker. Until this number retreats substantially, job growth could remain solid, the unemployment rate could remain low, and wage growth could remain relatively strong. However, it's important to contrast recent gains in employment with recent weakness in GDP. We currently estimate annualised real GDP growth of 1.5% in the second quarter, following a 1.6% contraction in the first, leaving real GDP down on the year. The Atlanta Fed's GDP Now model is looking for a second quarter growth number of minus 1.2%. This week's inflation retail sales reports should reduce the dispersion of these estimates. However, by most measures, demand in the economy is weakening, with consumer spending growth slowing, home building slumping, and the trade deficit widening in the first half of 2022. This weakness undoubtedly reflects a sharp reduction in government transfers to households, the impact of higher mortgage rates on home building, and the effects of a higher dollar on international trade. However, each of these forces impacts the economy with a lag suggesting further challenges to growth in the months ahead. In particular, on Wednesday, the Treasury Department will announce budget results for the month of June. These numbers should confirm that the deficit is now on track to fall by a massive $2 trillion, from $2.8 trillion last year to $800 billion this year. This in turn reflects the end of numerous government programs, including stimulus checks, enhanced unemployment benefits, enhanced child tax credits, aid to renters, and aid to small businesses. As this government aid has petered out, 
Real consumer spending has grown more slowly, rising, we estimated, at a roughly 1.5% annualised pace over the first half of this year, compared to an almost 7% gain in the prior four quarters. However, even this increase has been achieved by a significant decline in the personal savings rate, from 8.7% last December to, we estimate, 5.1% in June of this year. This is well below the 7.4% average savings rate seen in the five years before the pandemic, and likely reflects the fact that consumers who paid down credit card debt with government aid during the pandemic are now racking that debt back up again today. In May, consumer revolving credit was up 14% year over year, while consumers overall still appear to be in strong financial position and a stronger one than before the pandemic, lower and middle income consumers are likely feeling an increasing pinch, particularly because of high food and energy prices. Even with solid wage gains, this could restrain back to school and holiday season spending, leaving real consumer spending relatively flat for the rest of this year. However, this is not the only lagged drag on the economy. 30-year fixed-rate mortgage rates have fallen from a peak of 5.81% three weeks ago to 5.30% today. However, that's still up very sharply from the 3.11% rate on offer at the end of last year. This huge increase, combined with an equally massive 15% increase in median home prices, has simply priced a large number of potential home buyers out of the market, with the National Association of Home Builders noting a sharp fall-off in buyer traffic in June. All of this will operate with a lag on home building, as the excess demand for housing that was so evident earlier in the year only gradually evaporates, and as builders work on contracts already signed. However, the reality is that mortgage rates have been below 5% for more than a decade. Home prices are now set at levels only compatible with very cheap mortgage finance, and housing activity is consequently likely to weaken further in the second half of the year. And then there's trade. The dollar has soared so far this year, with the DXY dollar index now up more than 12% year-to-date. Undoubtedly, this partly reflects geopolitical issues, including the instability caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. However, it is also a very direct reflection of the Federal Reserve's aggressive stance, which has widened the gap between US and international developed country interest rates. This latest lurch upwards in the exchange rate means that the trade-weighted US dollar is at its highest level in real terms since 1985. Our trade deficit is already worsening, with the US current account deficit in the first quarter climbing to 4.8% of GDP, its highest level as a percentage of GDP since 2008. However, it is well recognised that changes in exchange rates only impact trade flows with a lag. So the greatest damage from today's elevated exchange rate will likely show up in diminished exports and increased imports late in 2022 and in 2023. In short, despite solid job numbers, real GDP growth has been very slow in the first half of 2022 and could be slower still later in this year and in 2023, with a lagged impact in slowing job growth. Inflation is also showing signs of coming down. AAA national average gasoline prices have now fallen by over 30 cents since hitting a peak of over $5 per gallon on June 14th. The Bloomberg Commodity Price Index is now down almost 15% from its peak on June 9th. Domestic airfares appear to have declined in both June and July, according to travel industry price tracker Hopper.com, and used vehicle prices fell 1.3% in June, according to the Mannheim Used Vehicle Report, with price declines accelerating in the last two weeks. This weakening in inflation has come too late to generate mild inflation numbers for June, and we expect Wednesday's CPI report to show a strong 0.9% gain.
However, it should lead to much lower inflation readings for July and August, with only small gains or even declines likely. By September, we expect year-over-year CPI inflation will have fallen to 7.6% from a peak of 8.6% in March. By December, the year-over-year rate may well fall to 5.5%. However, having been repeatedly burnt by predicting lower inflation over the past year, the Federal Reserve is in no mood to take a less hawkish stance today on prospects for some future decline in inflation. Indeed, a number of Fed officials in recent days have advocated another 75 basis point hike in the federal funds rate at their late July FOMC meeting. It's easy to understand why the Fed might want to do this, given strong reports on both jobs and inflation for the month of June. However, if we are right about the extent of the drag that will be applied to the economy in the second half of this year, then aggressive Fed tightening today is a mistake. It's a mistake because, by tightening further, the Federal Reserve could worsen any decline in trade and home building later this year and push the economy into recession. It's a mistake because inflation will very likely ease even without recession. As for the Fed's fear that inflation expectations could become embedded in the economy, a recent sharp decline in the spread between the yields and nominal treasuries and tips suggests that this is overblown. And it's a mistake because, for the long-term health of both the economy and financial markets, the Fed needs to gradually increase both short-term and long-term interest rates to economically sensible levels and keep them there. This means moving to positive short-term real rates and somewhat higher positive long-term real rates. However, a Fed that overdoes it in 2022 could be forced to reverse course in 2023, cutting rates back down to very low levels and abandoning a long-overdue program to return its swollen balance sheet to a more appropriate size. At the moment, it looks like the Fed will make this mistake. However, this has very different implications for the economy and for investors. For the economy, it increases the risk of a recession later this year, with some eventual increase in unemployment and decline in inflation. If a recession occurs, it should be mild. However, the recovery from such a recession would also likely be anemic, putting the economy in a path of slow growth, low inflation and low interest rates, much like the economy prior to the pandemic. For Americans as consumers and workers, this would not be a happy outcome. However, for investors, a slow economy could allow for a strong recovery in profit margins, and this could well be aided by a decline in the dollar from very high levels. Moreover, a return to a low interest rate environment would be positive for both the equity and bond markets. In short, there is a lag in the drag on the economy, and the Fed may not recognize it in time. However, if they make this mistake, the most negative effects will be felt in the economy in the short run, rather than in financial markets in the long run. Investors should keep an eye on that long-run outlook and on today's valuations so they can benefit from the financial market environment that could emerge in the wake of a Fed mistake. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to a JP Morgan representative. This content is intended for information only based on assumptions in current market conditions and are subject to change. No warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide.